so the minute I could drive, and I think I even just had a learner's permit, I'm pretty sure I couldn't even drive, like like 15 and a half. Like we were getting in the car, I always had some shitty car, and that was a priority to me. Like I worked so that I could have some kind of car. And um, as many kids as I could squeeze into the car at once, and we would come, we'd come to Berkeley, we'd go to Gilman Street, we'd hang out on University Avenue, we would do all of that, but then come into the city and look for gay people. That was Marcy Coburn, Creative and Marketing Senior Director at San Francisco's Pier 70. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode, Marcy shares her life story. She was born and raised in Visalia in the Central Valley. Her mom was the descendant of Oklahoma migrants, and her dad moved to California from Florida. The two met while attending Cal Poly Pomona near LA and raised their family in the Valley. Marcy talks about not fitting in in Visalia. When her parents split and she lived with her mom, they ended up in Stockton, where Macy's experiments with neon and dabbling in punk played better. By the time she was old enough to drive, she and her friends came to the Bay Area as often as they could. And then, after high school, Marcy's path to San Francisco took a slight but important detour. Here's Marcy. My mother's family was, um, they were sharecroppers in Oklahoma, mm. and their, the family came out after the Oklahoma Dust Bowl. So I'm fourth or fifth generation Californian. Okay. They were and Okies. They were Okies. Okay. Yeah, which was a bad word. My grandmother was very, very against okay. that word. I'm sorry, I'll um, strike that. No, it's thing. okay. It's okay. She's long dead. But yeah. Um, yeah, she actually, when I was a kid, I was reading Grapes of Wrath, mm. um, John Steinbeck's amazing book. Mm. And she was like furious that they had assigned it in school and hated it and really mm. resented it because it was it was the it's story derogatory. of her life. Yeah. yeah. And, and she saw it as derogatory. I mean, it's right. an astounding story. But yeah. yeah. So um, my family said, Settled in the Central Valley, and my my extended family were farmers. Okay. And my parents actually met at Cal Poly Pomona. Oh wow! And then um, ended up in the Central Valley because that's where my mother's family was. So where in the Central Valley did your mom grow um, up? So my mother grew up in Ivanhoe, California, um, and. Exeter, Ivanhoe, Farmersville, and then I was born in Visalia, California. Okay, Visalia, so, I've heard of. Yeah, is that on ninety nine? Yeah, it's right in the armpit of California. Yes. <laughs> it's like right between Bakersfield and Fresno. But those um, other little towns that your mom and those other little towns are yeah. not on yeah. ninety nine. No, like it, smaller neither, roads. Neither is Visalia, but there's a sign that's like an exit to Visalia. It's a it's right. a few miles, ten miles off of ninety nine. Also, if I'm not mistaken, like right there by. Um, like Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Park. Yeah, Parks. that is one of the gateways to the to the giant trees, to the big redwoods. Right. So okay. a lot of people go through there on the way up to the redwoods, and that's what they know it from, especially from L.A. If you're right. coming up to go to the redwoods from L.A., you go through by Go Slaya. that way, yeah. Yeah. But so I mean, it was a sweet town. It was, a, you know, very, um, I often say I'm like an honorary Texan because the Central Valley is very conservative, very, right. uh, yeah. Very conservative. I, the guy who led the secessionist movement, or one of them, for yeah. California <laughs> Central Coast, like to secede from this coast. The Central Valley wants to secede from, from the coast. The okay. Yeah, like live next door to where I grew up. That okay. guy. Yeah. So it's okay. like very. Yeah. It's, I'm you glad know. you went back and said one of the secessionists. Yeah, because there's a few. There's so yeah, few, there's especially a few, lately. But, yeah. I mean, but I get it. Like, in it, certainly, like, growing up around agriculture, like, I, 
I do want to say that I do understand how sometimes people who live in the Central Valley grow all the food, do all, like a lot of the labor in terms of feeding this state and many other states yeah. in, in the world, in fact, and that they don't reap. It doesn't, you know, it seems like such income disparity between folks who grow the food and the, those who are like eating it and buying it and enjoying it on on the coast, right? So and different and, and, cultures, yeah, I mean, very all different. Oh, yes. it's a, California's a big place, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, the cultures are just yeah. Different. I mean, Visalia is a deeply immigrant community, yeah, and lots of folks who work on farms and you know live in various you know ways on the farm and off the farm, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it is it it is really interesting, and that actually led me to study agriculture, and. Um, I started, so it's kind of a long, weird story, but I, when I first moved to San Francisco, I worked at Veritable Vegetable oh, yeah. on the night crew, um, and that was 1994, and I actually eventually graduated to driving a truck for Veritable and then having a schedule that was like a little less horrendous, which was that I had to be at work at 4 a.m. instead of 10 p.m. and work, you know, the graveyard shift. But, yeah. Um, it was in that time that I was visiting all kinds of farms all over the state because I was dropping off and picking up produce from mm-hmm. them. And so then I sort of learned about agriculture in the state of California and, and, mm. and my interest really grew in that way. And so I went back to school, got a degree in agricultural journalism. Okay, wow. And then, um, yeah. All XYZ. this time were you thinking like, this is also kind of where I'm from, like that, mm-hmm. the, it's the world where I'm from. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that I had communication skills and a certain amount of like um, ability to maybe translate or like some kind of like middle of the aisle kind of role is what I envisioned for myself where I was like, like an interpreter I'm, yeah like, like yeah. I'm from here I I am whether you like it or not of that of those people not you but whether they like it or not I'm from that right and and then, but I also am like a Bay Area liberal, queer, and I want to live in the Bay Area. And so it's like, how can I make that help make that connection, right? You're like an ambassador. Well, I mean, it, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Okay. We'll that. So wait, let's go back. Actually, um, you said your yeah. parents met at Cal State Pomona. Cal Poly Pomona. Or, sorry, Cal yeah. Poly Pomona. Yeah. Okay. Pomona. And my Is mother... that also in the Central Valley? I'm it's sorry. It's actually, it's Pomona, LA. So down in the LA area. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. So my father grew up in Florida. He oh. grew up in um, really extreme poverty in the middle of Florida, mm. um, little town called Seabrain, which is only known for their racetrack. And some convertibles are named that now, I think, because of the racetrack. Oh, Sebring, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's some car, the same that. Anyway, he grew up in really intense poverty. His father was a really pretty violent alcoholic. And Mm. so he fled the minute he could. And his sister had, um, Connie, um, my aunt, had moved out to California. And so he came out here to be with her. Wow. And um, they were young. They were like 18 and 20. Okay. Super young. And then my... I love those stories. So brave. I mean... I know. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and also uh, a dramatic difference between Florida and yeah. California. Yes and no, right? I mean, we still have orange right. trees, I guess. <laughs> right. I would say better, better oranges. I'm going to go on record. <laughs> yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. Here and now. Yes. Yeah. Florida orange juice. Why, why does everyone talk about it? Because I'm like, California's marketing. way better. Yeah. Marketing. We just don't brag about it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, so, so, you're, so your yeah, they aunt met. and your dad, yeah. um, what about what year or at least decade was that yeah, that they came so, out Oh, 60s. Yeah, early 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah, An interesting 60s. time to come to mm-hmm. California. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but my father was not part of the civil rights movement. He was definitely like, not, not, he's a liberal guy actually, but like was not, was not going to drop out and become a hippie and be running around the streets of San Francisco. Like that wasn't his, that wasn't his story. Okay. I wish it was, you know, in some ways, but it wasn't, but yeah, he met my mom and they settled down in Visalia, immediately had kids and kind of, you know, stumbled through it at that point. How many, Um, you're one of how many? So I'm, I'm one of two. Okay. Um, I have an older brother who Mm -hmm. actually works in tech in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and then I, yeah, and then my parents were divorced when I was 12. So then okay. my father remarried, and I have three stepbrothers from that marriage. Oh, wow. And they've been together like 45 years now or something insane. Interesting. Like a long Did you time. split time between your mom and dad at that so point? So I went or? with my mom. You went so exclusively? This is, yeah, okay. yeah. So my parents did a weird thing, which is they separated us, the kids, which oh. I think is really strange yeah. when I think back to it. I was 12, and my brother was 14. Huh. And I think, I mean, to be honest, I think I was like, get me out of here Mm. like I think I was at a point in my life where I was like I can't you can't leave me in this small town I Mm. think really honestly and so my mom and I moved to Stockton which is not much better but is closer to San Francisco which is very pivotal to the story which is where yeah where I sort of learned like and started coming to San Francisco was once I was in Stockton what like had you left Visalia much to know that there was there were better places or places that you might like more? Or That's what? so interesting. Or no. was it maybe through pop culture? Yeah, or? I don't. Maybe I. I don't. That's a really good question. I don't know how I had the like self knowledge to know that I was not destined to be in Visalia for the, my entire life. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Probably reading. Prob- I read a ton. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can owe it all to Judy Bloom or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> Like the New Yorker, you know, I just oh, yeah. was like, get me out of here. I knew it. I knew I didn't want to be there. Okay. And, um, and my mother, it's not like my mother really wanted to take me because she was kind of having a midlife crisis. And I think wanted, she had a boyfriend. I think she wanted to like go off and do her whatever thing. She was like 38, was you know, say. so different now. Right. An that, age that used to be like ancient. Yeah. And now we're like and in she the had rear like, view mirror. Yeah. She had a 13 year old daughter at 38. And so she right. was like, and I was like, no, you're, I'm going with, with you. you like, this, whether you like it or not. So you were 13. Yeah. Um, was it at least like, was there anything that was a little sad to leave? Like, did you have friends in Visalia that were like, Oh, that kind of sucks. Or, or were you just like, no, get me the hell out of here. That's so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I was a little nostalgic, but I was like is a pretty halfway through pivotal. seventh grade, and yeah. I think I had been pretty popular in the like little oh. elementary school. Okay. But then I got into seventh grade, and I like made some fashion r- mistakes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there was one which, so this is like '80s, right? I the, all of a sudden like neon became very popular, mm-hmm. and I went to the store with my mom, and I was like, I'm gonna get neon everything, like neon headband because I had the hair with the headband and like sweatshirt and pants and shoes and bag and I like went to school decked out in all neon all the same color uh, or all no, different colors all of neon. different colors, different colors of because neon. Ran- rainbow <laughs> Which neon was like really really too much for yeah the, for the kids of Visalia it yeah. was like and then yeah there was another thing where it was like I was trying to be punk I was kind of getting punk and so I was really into Frankie Goes to Hollywood mm. and everyone wore like long underwear mm. like you know un, like leggings under skirts and yep. stuff yep. and I didn't have like good ones I didn't have like the sort of like brown stain cool punk <laughs> rock holy ones I just had like flower ones that oh. were from JCPenney or right, something right. 
And so I put those on, I wore them under a skirt, and I got like laughed out of the classroom. In seventh grade? In seventh or? grade. Oh, man. It was horrible. That's like kids can be still pretty shitty. Oh, my God. And so I think I was like, out of here i think it was totally that same thing where i was just like okay no i'm done my parent forget it i'm out I'm yeah out. but At, then you know it was i got to i got to stockton and it was like a lot cooler than visalia okay so there was that too the like growing pains of that everyone wore jordash okay you know guest jeans i didn't even know what those were I mean, right it was hard so maybe did you at that point did you have like one foot in punk or or alternative yeah, what they became called alternative yeah but also you're like but also jordash and guess that's pretty i know preppy. i was trying i was really trying i was like s- well, in such crisis. a like yeah child like figure try to figure stuff yeah. out i tried for a while to fit in and it lasted maybe the rest of seventh grade okay. and by eighth grade i was like okay i'm not fitting in and then it was just like the you know you go the complete other direction were there were you seeing punk kids already in that junior high yeah but nerdy you know like we weren't cool at all it was like super nerdy and punk and theater i found theater you know Mm -hmm. and my best friend uh to this day you know we're so really close we met there and so like yeah i think it was just like nerdy alternative punk goth phase we all went through a goth phase it was like goth and punk and Later, we kind of hippied out. Yeah, it was all over the place. <laughs> Were there like under, I'm just thinking of my own, so I'm at, asking these questions from that point of view. Were there like underage clubs that you're going to maybe a little later or? A little Stockton? later, later. Yeah, like 16, yeah. 17. Once we could so, drive. Right. Then we definitely did. We went to Gilman Street all the time, which was all I ages. was just about to ask. Yeah. So some people call Stockton the Bay Area. I'm going to say it's not uh-uh. quite. No. It's adjacent. It's adjacent. But so. Yeah. So, so very much like the minute. So the minute I could drive. And I think I even just had a learner's permit. I'm pretty sure I couldn't even drive. 15. Like Like 15 and a yeah. half. Like we were getting in the car. I always had some shitty car. And yes. that was a priority to me. Like I worked so that I could have some kind of car. Mm-hmm. And um, as many kids as I could squeeze into the car at once. Yep. And we would come. We'd come to Berkeley. We'd go to Gilman Street. We'd hang out on University Avenue. We would yes. do all of that. But then come into the city and look for gay people. Which mm-hmm. was... Co- I mean, I think it was like we were trying, like we told ourselves, it wasn't because we were gay. It was like we were just being allies to the gays. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which is really hilarious now. Right. Because we were so gay mm-hmm. and we were just really just didn't know any gay people and wanted to know them and wanted right. to see them. So we literally walk around holding hands like... So it was two male friends and two female friends, and we would hang at our me and a female friend, and we would walk around the Castro hang, holding hands with the same sex person of our friend circle, who none mm-hmm. of us were together, mm-hmm. just looking to see if anyone noticed. You know, like we're walking down the Castro Street, like oh my god, young minds. It's almost, well, almost charming how like wrong they are all, all the time, because <laughs> you're like, of course no one's gonna notice or care in the cast, like of all, all places. I know teenagers. Like go like, to the I don't know the uh, financial district, maybe, maybe. they'd care, but not even then. I know. They wouldn't give a I shit. Know. Yeah. I know. But, but, but it, I think it's important that it was important to you. Yeah. Because it was so different yeah. than anything. Yeah. And we didn't know where to go or where to find people. You know, we're just figuring it out. Just winging it. Do so. you want to go back real quickly and talk a little bit about Gilman? Oh, like just what, how, when, what when, it was like. When was this and like what kind of bands were y'all seeing? Local and or touring. I mean, the big, I mean, I used to see like Green Day there and yeah, stuff, you know, yeah. like small time, like little, like bands that made it really big later. Um, when they were um, on like Lookout yeah, Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, um, that. that's the biggest one that I can think of, but like, 
um, a lot of just, you know what? A lot of my memories of that time are really like parking lots, like mm-hmm. standing outside in the parking lot. Like the bands were important, but it was also like the culture and the be- scene being seen, mm-hmm. and just feeling like a sense of belonging. And we'd go see anything, like lots of ska, lots of punk, lots of whatever, right? Was ever rockabilly or whatever was happening. We were you go. meeting people from here at that point? or Mostly not. Mostly okay. at that age, it was just with my friends. Okay. And we were, you know. Nobody talked to us except other teenagers. You know, it was like... Right, back that. to the holding hands yeah. thing. Yeah. We can fast forward a little bit. <laughs> I moved to San Francisco and I got a little more game. Okay, okay. Well, no, because so, yeah. I, I was going to ask, was there anything besides those trips into San Francisco to try to be very out? Mm-hmm. Um, or Gilman, like, like, was there anything besides those two things that when it, once it came time for you to make that decision, that influenced it? Anything else about your visits? Um, not, no, not then. It was yeah. very straight, actually, the, the punk scene still. Like, yeah. it wasn't very, like, it was, it was important because it was alternative, but it mm-hmm. also was, like, pretty, I was, we were still kind of closeted there mm-hmm. in that scene. It mm-hmm. wasn't until, actually, the early 90s when I moved to San Francisco officially as an adult, or as a 20, 19-year-old, that, that kind of had its day i think right. where it was like queer core and queer punk and mm-hmm. stuff sort of like division yeah cetera. happened yeah. because up until like the late 80s early 90s it was still i feel like for me anyway right was still pretty like pretty straight yeah yeah probably like ronald reagan george bush right a- might have had some influence. to thank for all that yeah right exactly. all those horrible years and then yeah. it was like no fuck this yeah yeah okay. So um, can we can we just go back and and just like your last couple of years in Stockton? When do you think you figured out? And did you come straight yeah. from Stockton to here? Or? No. So the right. story goes that we. Um, so my friends and I, we. I mean, we really potted up. Like the use of the pod word now mm-hmm. post pandemic is like got a whole different m- meaning. But I think it was like. We all, there were four of us, we all to the, like all ended up being homosexual, super, super homosexual, like as fuck. And mm-hmm. we're all at the time, you know, closeted and hunkered down in children's mm-hmm. theater and like doing mm-hmm. shows and things, theater and speech competitions and all those things mm-hmm. that you do um, when you're like artsy kids. Mm-hmm. And so um, couple, like a couple, kind of like a couple things happened. We tried to go to community college. My friend Taylor and I, um, dropped out of community college. And at this point I said we had gotten like a little more political and maybe a little more hippie. Mm. And so we walked across, we dropped out of community college and took a Greyhound bus across country and walked across the country on a peace walk in 1992. Holy fuck. Yeah. So we left, um, it took nine months. We left on January 1st, 1992 from New York city and then walked for nine months to the Nevada nuclear test site in outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. And at that point, they were still doing underground nuclear testing on Western Shoshone land. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a huge protest. And so it was like a protest walk. It was in the 500th year anniversary of Columbus's invasion of the Americas mm-hmm. in 1992, 1492. Mm-hmm. And it was in, um, there were a bunch of Native people on the walk, and it was all in solidarity. And so we like wow. slept in gymnasiums and you know in schools and things on the east coast and then slowly as the weather warmed up started sleeping in parks and on the side of the road Amazing. i mean just kind of nuts and so 
Taylor and I both like officially came out on the walk across America. So, like, yeah. not in New York, but on no, the walk. No, like on the walk. Like once we got to um, like the New Mex- New Mexico, I actually hitchhiked with women that I so I met all these amazing activists, like feminist women, on the walk, and we hitchhiked from um, from. Arizona or from New Mexico back to Michigan to the Michigan Women's Music Festival. Oh yes, and then which was still happening at that time. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen anymore. But we camped outside the gates and we snuck in, and I got together with a woman for the first time, and it was like literally in a tent. I'm like, okay, like this is. It was a festival. It was a festival, I mean, and I was in a tent. Um, yeah, and yeah, and then we hitchhiked back to the Walk Across America, and at that point, Taylor had also. Um, and just, I mean, to be a name dropper, but Taylor, it's Taylor Mack, who's like a famous performance artist, actor, yeah. yeah, playwright okay. and stuff. So he went on to have this fabulous career in theater. But he he also, and he wrote a play about the walk across America. Wow. Um, but he uh, he had also gone in his own walkabout, off, like offshoot of the walk across America and had had his first experience. And so then we came back and we were like, I'm gay. And he's like, I'm gay. <laughs> so that's, and then we moved to San Francisco. That was Marcy Coburn. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Marcy continues her story, including her move to San Francisco and her work at Pier 70. Part two drops Thursday. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.